All right, today is Baptism Sunday, and um, it actually does tie in to our Luke, our study in Luke's Gospel. Our next verse uh, that we are, are covering is Luke 12, verse 8 and 9. Jesus says, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, in other words, if you're unashamed to be uh, a follower of Christ, if you're unashamed to let people know, okay, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. On, uh, when it's time for heaven, Jesus will say to the angels, here, I know this person. They trusted me. They acknowledged me. Come on in to heaven. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now, some of you know that uh, Elizabeth and I have gone to Ireland a number of times, and we have kind of a fascination with all things Irish. And um, who is the patron saint of Ireland? Patrick. <laughs> That's modalism, Patrick, yes. Saint Patrick. Now, there are some... Um, legends about Patrick, some true, not true. I don't believe this one is true. One of the legends is that he kicked all the snakes out of Ireland. Turns out there never were snakes in Ireland. Now, some islands are full of snakes. They're just crawling, literally crawling with snakes, but Ireland never had snakes. So that is a, a false myth. That's a, a myth about St. Patrick. There's another legend about Patrick that many people believe is true. When he went to Ireland to preach, there was a king named Angus, King Angus, okay, who, um, there's his castle today, it's still there, and Patrick preached the gospel, and Angus believed, and he said, I would like to be baptized. So in various stained glass windows, there are pictures of Patrick baptizing King Angus. Now, look at that picture. Is there anything strange that you see? Well, the, the, the water is, actually he's pouring a little water here, which is wrong because he was immersed. Um, but good, good catch, good catch. Is there anything else weird about this picture? What? Do you see his foot? Look at his foot. You see Patrick's staff? This is his pointy staff. Here's another stained glass. What do you notice? The foot. Right? St. Patrick had a, uh, a sharp staff, and as he was ready, he was praying for the king, and he accidentally brought the staff down on his bare foot, and it started to bleed. And then he baptized him. Patrick said nothing. Angus said nothing. When it was over, somebody said, why didn't you say anything? And Angus said, I thought it was all part of the baptism ceremony. Right? Now, um, yeah, Pete, did you bring the staff? <laughs> okay. 
You ready for that, Nathan? We've got, it's, it, it, doesn't, it only hurts a day or two, all right? So here's what, uh, here's what I want to do before we do the baptisms. I want to use this story of Angus being stabbed in the foot um, as kind of a, uh, our, our, our foundational illustration. And I want to point to that illustration to show that it's a horrible illustration for baptism. And it's a great illustration for baptism. All right? It is both a bad illustration and a good illustration. So let's talk about why it's a bad illustration. Um, because the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus paid it all. Right? Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. Jesus' perfect life is given to you when you believe in him. So if we turned the baptism ceremony into something like stabbing your foot, cutting your arm, gouging your eye out, right? That would be a horrible picture because it's not about you suffering for your sins. It's about Jesus suffering for your sins. Came across this great illustration. French writer Henry Barbusi tells of a, a conversation overheard in a trench full of wounded men during first, uh, the First World War. One of the men, who knew he only had minutes to live, says to one of the other men, Listen, Dominic, you've led a very bad life. Everywhere you are wanted by the police. But there are no convictions against me. My name is clear. So here, take my wallet, take my papers, my identity, take my good name, take my life, and quickly hand me your papers that I may carry all your crimes away with me in death. That's a picture of the gospel. Jesus taking your sins, your crimes, your bad identity, and dying in your place. And when you believe in him, you are given his perfect status before God. Right? So, baptism is a picture of a death and a resurrection. But you are being immersed into his death. And then, some baptisms, we actually take you out of the water. Right? That's a picture of the new resurrection life you have in Christ. So, Romans 6 says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Right? So the reason the stabbing of the foot is a bad illustration is that it could somehow miscommunicate the idea that it's your pain that's earning your way into heaven. 
Okay? Now, let me tell you why it's also a good illustration. Okay? Romans 4 is all about justification by faith alone. Romans 4 makes it clear that you are not uh, declared right before God by anything you do. That you, you believe in Jesus and his record is given to you. That's what Romans 4 is all about. Romans 5 is about the theological word imputation. And that's, that's actually the, the, the transferring. Okay, That's, that's when uh, his record is given to you. Your sin is given to him. His record is given to you. But now when we get into to chapter 6, Paul raises an objection. Wait a minute. If it's that easy, if you're justified by believing in Jesus, by faith alone, and you get Christ's record, then why not just sin away? Right? And chapter 6 is about Paul going, by no means, that's not possible. Right? Here's, here's uh, the first part of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we sin away because it's, you know, you just believe and you're in, right? And his answer is, by no means. The King James says, anybody know what the King James says? God forbid. I mean, you can't, you can't even go there. Why? Now get ready for this. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? When you believed, yes, his, his record was given to you, your record was given, but you died. There was something that went on inside of you. You, you, it wasn't just a theoretical thing in your brain, but there was a death. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And we, we read the middle section now, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Two things happen when somebody believes in Christ. One, it's all about justification, where it has nothing to do with you, other than you give your sins to Jesus, he gives his record to you. But a second thing happens when somebody believes in Jesus. There's heart surgery. There's a death where you used to be dominated by sin. Now something really happens inside where your heart is changed. An operation takes place. Um, to use Old Testament language, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people circumcised their boys. Parents, go home and explain what that means, okay? Um, but God uses the picture of circumcision, which let me describe it this way. It's removing 
some flesh from the outside of the body. But all along, that was just a picture pointing to the removing of flesh from the heart. So here in Deuteronomy, God says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So that you will, so now when your heart is changed, what are you going to do? You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you might live. And you shall, again, obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command to you today. So you know what? The stabbing of the foot is not necessarily a bad picture. Now, a better picture would be if we stab them in the heart. Right? Because that's what happens when a person trusts in Christ. Their hearts are stabbed. Heart surgery is performed. Now, how do you know if you have truly believed in Jesus? Some people say, well, just in my head, I believe. Well, there is a change of mind. There's also a change of heart. And here's, here's what happens. You see that you're a sinner. You know that you cannot do anything to atone for your own sin. You hear the good news, the gospel that Jesus died for you, and you trust in him. Your sin's transferred to Jesus. His perfect record is transferred to you, and your heart is changed. How do you know if your heart is changed? Well, one sign is you're no longer ashamed of being called a Christian. And one sign that you're no longer ashamed is baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Trusting in Jesus saves you. But if you're truly trusting in Jesus, you'll acknowledge him. Here's what Luke 12 says again, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God.